Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. We would be honored if you would join us. Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. And welcome to Spark of Rebellion, and this is episode 7, your weekly Star Wars show, bringing you everything from the Star Wars universe in terms of news, reviews and discussion, and our famous random spotlight. My name's Gary, and with me as always is that British podcast guy, Mr. Mark Asquith. How are you, buddy? I'm alright, thank you, mate. Alright, thanks. Just having a look at some of the stuff that we're digging into this week, and some of the stuff just looks insane. I am really keen on getting into this. It does. It looks amazing. We thought we had a bit of a quiet one in terms of news, and then this whole batch of stuff's just been dropped from the Rise of the Skywalker stuff, and uh, yeah, it's it's got me fired up. It's got me uh, really hyped up and a bit miffed in a way, because they, we're still like six months out, aren't we, at least? So... Yeah, they know how to get us going, and uh, there's some interesting stuff to come out of those pictures as well. One, one thing in particular around uh, around the first order that I think is quite interesting. One, uh, one, one battle sequence that I'm uh, I'm interested in, and of course we've got a few old characters in there as well. So I'm looking forward to getting into that one uh, today, my man. But uh, what's what's the world of Star Wars been like for you this week? Have you done much in it? Have you been doing much research? Been doing much reading? Been doing much playing? Uh, yeah, not too bad. I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks now, but I am genuinely on the last chapter of the first Thrawn book. <laughs> I genuinely am on the, on the last one. It's just taken me ages because I'm one of these guys that have got, I, I try not to do it if I can help it, but I've got two books on the go at the moment. And yeah, it's an hard one that dude, when you've got two on the go, you're like, How, what, what was I, what was I doing? When you, you, when you read two books, are you reading like two fiction books or do you read like a personal development book and a fiction one or like, how do you, can you switch between them? How do you, how do you do that? Yeah, I think it's, I can do, I can do either really. At the, at the moment I've got two fiction books. Now, the last time I did it was a few months back. Uh, and it was um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Beep, which is a cracking <laughs> book. Uh, and then Lord of the Rings. I've given a, a reread because I haven't read that since, I don't know, 1990 or something like that. So I've still got Lord of the Rings going and I've got Thrawn. So they're kind of overlapping at the moment. So I'm in that horrible conundrum like what what do i pick up and read i i, I really want to get thrown done because i've got the new one sitting on the shelf but i've also got on my kindle the master and apprentice book as well so uh, you know i'm itching to, to crack on with some more star wars reading and then uh just really just deciding whether or not to uh, there's some, some cool conventions coming up in the uk in a couple of months so the big one the london film and comic-con which happens in july and i'm undecided as to whether or not to pay for a photo or an autograph for Billy D. Williams. Because I did... Now, I'm not saying anything's wrong with Billy, but I, I fell into this trap with Peter Mayhew, bless, bless his soul. Uh, a little while ago, I said to a friend of mine when we were going to the, the, the smaller spring version that I really wanted to meet Peter because he's probably not going to be with us for much longer. It's a bit of a 
that's a bit of a joke, a bit of half serious. And sadly, he's no longer with us. So I think I'm going to have to just bite the bullet and, and book a ticket for a photo or something with Billy. Because I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it, you know, so. Yeah, good luck with that one. It's always one of those. I was, I was in, in the same mindset with a few gigs uh, over the last week. You know, when you're like, I did, is this the last time I'm going to get a chance to do this because of schedules and, you know, everything else, uh, life generally kicking in. And it, <laughs> do you not find like decision making when it comes to that sort of stuff is, is just really, really hard. Like it almost makes you a bit inept like you you just I should be better at this I should be able to just decide do I want to do this thing but then you always you always just fall along the along the uh, the thought process of well you know I can always do it next time um if you're anything like me you just struggle to make any decision like that even though the mo- they're the most mundane decisions ever absolutely mate yeah it's 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 plagued me for so many years just having that 90% I'm I'm certain to 90% but then there's a little bit left over that's like, uh, are you sure? Are you really sure? It's like the, uh, it's not so much like the devil and the angel on your shoulders, but it's not far off. It's, uh, yeah. So I, I completely see where you're coming from on that one, man. It's so, yeah. So I think I'm, I'm think I'm going to do it. I'm going to meet Billy. Um, cause I don't know, cause he doesn't do that many conventions. So I'll be looking into that stuff and, uh, yeah, just carrying on with a bit of thrawn onto the last chapter. And that's about it for me. Star Wars wise. You've been up to anything? You done anything Star Wars related? Um, not overly, actually. I've kind of, I've took a break from the Star Wars books. So I finished Master and Apprentice and, uh, took a little bit of a break from the Star Wars books on the back of that one. I'm kind of, I'm having a bit of a, um, a, a fictional literature break for now. Um, so I'm, I'm, I am off that a little bit and I've been going through the Marvel movies as well. So I have been a little bit out of the Star Wars consumption over the last week. Um, and he's, instead I've been, been reading Neil deGrasse Tyson's, uh, astrophysics for people in a hurry. And, oh, that looks uh, awesome. Yeah, it really is good, man. And then the Yuval Noah Harari book, which is Sapiens, which is like the origin of man through, you know, through evolution, Darwinian purposes. And, and they're both really interesting. Like one's this space fair and kind of knowledge. The other one is this kind of really much close to home, uh, kind of setup. And it's just, it's just really interesting to see all this from a, a, a sci-fi perspective as well. Like I, I always, so I've got a friend of mine, a guy called Wayne, I don't think you've met him, but a guy called Wayne, he, he writes science fiction. And we always get into these hugely deep conversations about like Star Wars and some of his books that he writes. And he's, he's inspiring me to want to read more kind of science fact so that I can appreciate things like Star Wars and his books and some of the other things that I read almost from a different light through a different lens. And I'm just like, do you know what? This is actually really interesting. I don't get like 90% of it, but at the same time, I'm just still thinking this is actually really quite interesting. Um, so that's that's been my week, dude, digging into astrophysics for people in a hurry. <laughs> Sounds like you've been watching The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> it's not far off, mate, to be fair. I am pretty much a walking episode of The Big Bang Theory at the best of times. <laughs> Bless your cotton socks, mate. Hey. I know, I know, I know. That book does look very cool, though. I'm going to get that. Yeah, it's been on the list yeah. for a while. I'm, I'm going to fast track it up now, now that you've got it. Not that, not that I'm copying you, but, you know. No, no, copy away, copy away. I mean, I'm just copying every other um, wannabe geek in the world by by reading it. But uh, no, it is good, man. It is. It's it's one of those slow and steady reads where you can read three or four pages and then you're like, okay, that's that's a lot of knowledge. I'm going to just leave that there. <laughs> um, 
So it's uh, it's good, man. So what we've got coming up on the show this week? I know we, uh, we we've got some we've got some merchandise sent out to our patrons this week. By the way, I know we we've done that earlier this week. So thank you to Chris and Sean for joining us on Patreon. If you want to do the same, you can get all sorts of merchandise at patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion and you can become one of our one of our tribe get some behind the scenes access become an exec producer on the show but what's what what, what are we digging into today dude what what are we going on with first it's it's a really it was going to be a quiet week and then when i looked at what we were talking about i was like damn this is not a quiet week so what what do we got coming up so in the new segment we've got three stories to go through one of them we we're kind of late to the party with, and this is kind of my fault because I had it on the list on my own personal list for last week and completely just overlooked it for some random reason, which seems to be par for the course for my life, really. But anyway, last week or the week before even, uh, it was George Lucas's 75th birthday, the creator himself. And uh, it was, we yeah, we should have mentioned it really because we we spoke about Peter Mayhew passing away, and you know it. it, it the, these people are, and you know, it goes without saying that George Lucas is integral to the world of Star Wars even now. Because last week we covered the story that George Lucas was involved in the rise of Skywalker. They had drafted him into to get his advice on some of the characters and overall story. And so I, I don't think he was involved in some of the details, but he's certainly involved still from a either a creative point of view or or whatever. So the man himself, the creator, has turned uh, 75, and that was on the, the 14th of May. And he doesn't seem to have... George Lucas is one of these guys that he goes through, he ages in chunks. He, do, he doesn't have this kind of smooth progression of age. Like when you look back at some of the, the behind-the-scenes and making of stuff from the original trilogy, he's very slim... He's got the, the the black beard and the big quaffed hair and those big, uh, the big black NASA style glasses. And then all of a sudden he goes from being like that to just like almost white hair. So he's still slim, but he wears like the checkered shirts now and uh, the jeans and stuff and his, his hair and his beard's all gray and white. And then fast forward another like 15, 20 years and he still looks the same, but he's just... He's, there's a bit more around the girth. <laughs> he's a bit larger. So it's really weird because it doesn't look like he's any older now than when he turned 60, you know, or, or whatever. So he kind of ages in these brackets. He kind of gets, he gets caught in a, in a loop for a little while, but still looking good. And he's still doing his thing. I, I don't, I don't know what his involvement is in Star Wars past these films, whether they're going to still include him in the, in the filmmaking process. I remember when, when Disney bought them out, it was stated that he was staying on as a, a creative consultant. I think they labeled it as. So whether he's still going to do that past the, the Skywalker saga or he's just going to bugger off. I know he was going to, he was going to open up a big museum, wasn't he? A, a, a Lucasfilm or a George Lucas museum or something like that. Um, in somewhere. Cause it was like, it had planning permission forever. It feels like, so I know he's doing that, but otherwise the guy just needs to take a nap. I think 75. Well, happy birthday, George Lucas. He's always uh, he's always been a weird looking guy, though, hasn't he? You know, <laughs> so, he's always he's always had that very George Lucasian look. You know, you could you could you could classify <laughs> someone as a Lucasian. He's, uh, he's he's always had a look about him, and he always had that kind of 
like filmmaking in the 70s, like when you see Spielberg and like you said with the big, massive NASA glasses, mm-hmm. it, uh, it always... <laughs> it's a product of its time, isn't it? And I know what you're saying. Like suddenly the 70s, they skipped the 80s and then it was like, oh, now I'm a 90s filmmaker. And you're like, wait a second. Like, what What the hell? I get that. Yeah, the yeah, they aging cycles. I think a lot of people do that. Like James Cameron seemed to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. He was uh, James Cameron from Terminator for 20 years. And then he's like, oh, I do Avatar now. So I'm now, look at me, now I'm older. And... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they build it into their budgets. Like we need a Botox budget into this film, and uh, we need we need like a, a checkered shirt budget and some slacks, and uh, we've got to get some of those hush puppies in there and uh, just build that into the two hundred million budget for Avatar. It's all good. Uh-huh. Where's the uh, where's the shirts? Where's the shirts? But the uh, interesting fact: the film Fanboys, the character Windows, was modelled on a young George Lucas. Oh, I can see that, actually. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. Hey, does, uh, speaking of fanboys, sorry to jump in with something totally different, but there is another tiny bit of news, which is not really news, but I want to throw it in there because if you're a podcast fan, have you seen that new podcast called Blockbuster that's just been launched? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks mint. It's like a dramatised version of Lucas and Spielberg doing their back and forth in the 70s with Star Wars and E.T. and and that whole uh, range of films. It looks really interesting. I've subscribed, but I've not listened to it yet. So if you're a podcast fan, go and dig into it. Have you have you checked it out, Gus? Yeah, I've listened to episode one. It's, it's, really, really, it's really good in terms of production quality as well. It, it's not mm-hmm. just, it, yeah, I'm not going to spoil it, but yeah, episode one at least is really good. Yeah. I'm loving these big budget podcasts, you know, where mm. this NPR style that people have started to emulate since Serial really took off, um, where people are putting production budgets and you're getting production houses now crop up just to do this because this is not from a production house that is known for doing really that much. You know, I think this is the first major thing that they've done from what I can tell. Um, so that that interests me. So yeah, check it out, guys. Blockbuster. I've got it on my to do list to re- uh, to listen to that. I might do that uh, on my way home today, but just want to squeeze that bit of news in there. <laughs> yeah, it's cool so uh yeah there we go first bit of news uh happy birthday well belated happy birthday george lucas looking very very good for 75 uh next up lucasfilm again this is kind of oldish news but we're just getting around to it now uh lucasfilm have unveiled they, they did this with um the force awakens and the last jedi where they have a series of stories and books and whatnot in the run-up to the release of of the next star wars film and uh as routine would have it, they've done exactly the same thing now for the rise of Skywalker. So uh, they've um, put together a, a whole massive range of uh, books and comics aimed at adults, kids, um, all the rest of it, targeting loads of different characters. And they're all they're all uh, branded with this journey too. So you've probably seen this from the previous films where a bunch of novels and comics had this uh, title at the top or the bottom so the journey to star wars the rise of skywalker and they've released t- they've announced tons of really cool looking books i'm just we can't we haven't got time to go through all of them but uh, some some standout ones would be this new book that seems to focus around uh, the three uh, main cast members of poe finn and ray which is called star wars resistance reborn from rebecca roanhorse uh, that looks really really good it's, it seems to be uh, uh, so some blurb on it is in this original uh, journey to Star Wars Rise of Skywalker novel Poe Dameron uh, General Leia Organa Ray and Finn uh, struggle to rebuild the resistance after their defeat at the hands of the First Order in The Last Jedi so the huge battle at the end and so on the resistance is you know scattered a little bit and not quite firing all cylinders 
this book is a it's sort of that fills in the gaps about how they how they get the resistance back up on its feet and and all that stuff so i know we were saying that we haven't really got time for for much reading but uh, this one out of out of all of them looks really good in terms of official movie tie-ins and so on is this up your street this one yeah man it is that that interests me because that that alludes to a bit of a time jump which i think is very interesting You've got a time jump, um, you know, because the, the, the time jump between Force Awakens and Last Jedi was was barely anything. It was literally, oh, that's the end of that. Guess what? We're chasing you, and you know, it was it was it, it had to be that way. I think because of obviously the Skywalker, um, the Skywalker reveal at the end, and Ray giving Luke the lightsaber. Like it quite literally needed to pick up there. There was there was there was frankly no option. Um, so that always that always interested me. So that you know the the fact that they're doing this book is. Uh, is I think just leading into maybe there being a bit more of a time jump, which is which is quite interesting. There's a couple of other ones that interest me as well. Force Collector, which interestingly is set just before the Force Awakens. It's you know we talked about this kind of uh, this idea that in the Last Jedi that they're opening up this idea of 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 the Force not just being for the Jedi and the Sith, and actually you know the young kid at the end he pulls the broom up with the Force. Mm. It seems to follow another Force sensitive, wondering what the heck's going on and how he connects to the Jedi and the Force. Uh, so that one interests me as well. And then there's another one, one more, which is Star Wars Allegiance, which is it seems to be set between Last Jedi and the end of Force Awakens, and and how they got how Leia, Princess Leia, or General Leia at that time, got the Mon Calamari, and assumingly, uh, assumingly uh, Holdo as well, how, how they got Holdo back into the fray. It, it seems to point to that kind of time frame. You know, how did we get from the end of Starkiller Base, or at the end of The Force Awakens, to that 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 attack with the big bombers uh, in The Last Jedi? So that's quite an interesting one. Um, and there's, there's another one as well, if I remember it correctly. I'm just trying to find it now. Um, Oh yeah, that's it. And it, it this is only interesting because it's 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 good for us. Is there's a book called Spark of the Resistance, which is uh, obviously a play on the original Spark of Rebellion episode of Rebels. Um, so again, that looks quite curious as well. Although it does, that one does look like it's kind of a offshoot story. You know, go down, do this mission, come back, and it doesn't really affect anything. Um, I always find those those a little challenging when there's no consequence to them. But yeah. Yeah, exciting times, dude. It is indeed, yeah. And I echo your thoughts. Um, I'm really up for uh, Allegiance as well. Sounds really good. Uh, Just very quickly, another one. If you're into your um, sort of resource books, if you like, uh, DK Publishing have brought out these really big companion books for years. And one that they did a while ago, a few years ago now, was called just Ultimate Star Wars. Uh, That's going to have a new edition. So Ultimate Star Wars, the new edition, uh, with a forward by Anthony Daniels. Uh, so that's going to include a bunch of stuff from the latest film in there. So if you're after like reference books to go through everything, uh, to go through uh, sort of like droids, characters, locations, all that stuff, that's in there. And uh, the other one, which looks just awesome, is the Star Wars Search and Find, which is the, you know, the colouring in book, the whatever, you were the kid's book, that, things like that, they're just awesome. And then the art of The Rise of Skywalker. If you're a bit of an artist, that looks really, really, really good. So a ton of stuff that's going to be published from now, really, right up until the release of The Rise of Skywalker to look forward to. I'll try and, I'm, you'll be the same, I know, but we'll, we'll try and dive into as much of it as we can to review for you guys and, and report back. So 
yeah, good times for the for the bookworms for sure. Yes, we are bookworms. We are bookworms. We like that. Um, interested to see what they do with the overall story arc on that one. You know, I, I find that when you when they do these extended universe kind of uh, books, it always alludes to what's going to happen in the film a little bit. In particular, the characters that are going to have strong arcs in the film. Um, so in the in the lead up to Last Jedi, it was very much Luke centric. You know what happened to Luke after. Battle of Endor and prior to The Force Awakens, it was kind of filling the gaps a little bit. So I do think it alludes to a little bit of uh, where we'll see the character narratives go. Not necessarily giving any spoilers away, but just, look, you can probably expect to see um, more from Princess Leia, General General Leia, um, you know, the, the, the main three, Poe, Finn and Rey are probably, as we know, going to get, in, in particular Finn, hopefully we'll get a little bit more screen time, a little bit more of an arc. So yeah, it's a very smart move on their part. Very cool, indeedy. And the last bit of news, which is really exciting, which Mark alluded to earlier, that we thought it was going to be a quiet week and then they dropped this bombshell, which is... So we had the trailer recently at Star Wars Celebration. And we... Well, I certainly thought that well, that will be it for a while, now that they've teased everybody with that. That will be it in terms of trailers or pictures or whatever you want to call it. And um, then Vanity Fair magazine just goes and drops a ton of really insightful, exciting images from their upcoming issue. And to say that they've <laughs> to say that they've not held back is an understatement really, because the vibe that we got from Star Wars Celebration when they all all the guests were doing their panels and it was still very secretive every time like Daisy Ridley got, got asked a question or anybody, you know, they looked over at JJ as if to say, can I answer this? Is this all good? You know, it's very under wrapped still. But then Vanity Fair go and, and drop this photo shoot, which has just got tons of of really cool images and stuff that we, we've we not seen yet. And it just really gets you in the mood for the new film. So in, in a way, it's a bit of a, oh man, you, you couldn't have put this out like a month before release. You, you know, there's still six months to go uh, before we get there. Um, but the the raft of images are just fantastic. And uh, Vanity Fair is going to go out with two exclusive covers. There's going to be one with Ray on the front and then another version with Kylo on the front. And they both look fantastic. And uh, should we do the same as we did with the books? Let's go through and pick out a few that, that stand out. Well, they all stand out, but there's a, a few of them that are really cool. So the first... The first image that that I've come to is, and this is if you go back and listen to uh, episode three, where we did our top threes, and that that top three was what the top three things we want to see in the rise of Skywalker. My my first one in the list as number three was I wanted to see the Knights of Ren, and then lo and behold, this image drops from Vanity Fair, and it's the Knights of Ren out in the desert. We have no idea what they're doing there, but they're there. They're actually in the film. So that's not been confirmed as yet. So those really mysterious looking guys in the flashback sequence where it's, it's all dark and moody in the rain and stuff. You saw them then. You now see them out in the in the daylight. I still don't know if this is Jakku or if it's Tatooine. I think it's probably Jakku. Um, but yeah, so you see the Knights of Ren and dude, I'm just, I'm hoping that these guys are going to, going to, they know their onions, you know. I, I think they report into Kylo. It, it reveal because some of the captions on these images reveal a little bit, and uh, so one of the captions is the fearsome enforcers of Kylo Ren's dark will. So that says to me that 
he's the head honcho. So the, the, the Knights of Ren, dude, they're in it. Yes, they are, man. I think the planet might be Pasana, which is the uh, the planet from the main images. Um, oh, oh the, well, really? 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 What, what, what? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. They're filming in Jordan, apparently, in the Wadi Rum Desert, uh, which is the setting for Pasana. So I think that's probably a slightly different planet. But interestingly, yeah, the Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren stuff interests me because if you look at them, none of them are using lightsabers. They've all got steel blades or, you know, what, what goes, you know, in the Star Wars universe is is their metal of choice. They've got blasters. They've got guns. You know, one of them looks like he's got maybe a staff and an axe that might have some kind of sabery technology in it. But ultimately, they probably are force-wielding people, but they don't seem to have lightsabers there, which is interesting to me. Um, yeah. So I'm curious about that one. One thing that I will say about this whole set of photos... There's two things, actually, that I'll say. Number one, do you not think it's all got a bit of a... When you look at Finn on the horse with this this new ally, Janna, and and some of the desert scenes and the new... What looks to be maybe a new bounty hunter or a new thief or a new kind of, um, you know, kind of anti-hero villain played by Kerry Russell. Uh, so Zori, Zori Bliss um, on, on the planet Kijimi. All feels a big Black Panther. It all feels a little bit Black Panther, the way they're kind of setting up this uh, this kind of might, this David and Goliath struggle. Seems a little bit like Black Panther, and some of the stylization of it is a bit Black panther The other things that I've noticed that are really interesting, do you not think they've kind of handpicked these pictures to get around some of the objections as well? So what I mean by that is we were all scared of there's going to be no Knights of Ren. We should probably not see this film. Well, guess what? There's a picture. There's going to be no Luke Skywalker. Well, there is possibly the most badass picture of Luke Skywalker that we've ever seen, set against a backdrop of um, fire and flame and fury and then R2-D2 by his side, you know, in a, in a, in a white robe, uh, which I think is very, very interesting. It's not the same kind of robe that he was wearing. I don't think in anything else that we've seen, it's certainly not his his last Jedi robe, I don't think. It's a lot lighter than that. Um, he's still got the gloved hand. He's got the long hair, you know. So what's going on there? Really interesting. And then the third thing is, Richard E. Grant. There was so much speculation around who he's playing. Like, is he going to be Brendel Hooks? Um, is that is that Hooks's father? Is that the right name? Um, or is that is that the kid? I forget. But basically, was he going to be Hooks's dad? Was he going to be Thrawn? You know, there's no blue skin there. Uh, apparently, he's called something uh, Allegiant General Pride. So, uh, you know, what what's his play? Where's where's he coming from? So, I, I, I'm loving these pictures, and I think it's fantastic. They do seem very well picked, like they've done it on purpose to get around some of the potential worries from the film. But then they raise as many questions as as they do give answers. So, yeah, man, a really, really surprising drop, surprising stash of pictures. Indeedy, yeah. And some of them, the way that they've been taken as well in terms of composition, are very, very similar to the really old behind-the-scenes photos from A New Hope. Like mm. When you see uh, Anthony Daniels uh, in his C-3PO costume under an, an umbrella getting shaded from the sun, there's, a, there's a, an image that's almost identical to that in a new hope, uh, in the making of a new hope book, uh, and it's been th- th- that image has been around for years as well. Where you've got just random crew members doing what they're doing, and then just C three PO being shaded and stuff, and 
but yeah, I, I completely agree with you. These, these have been taken or they've been selected very carefully so that they, they, they don't land you in hot water with, you know, giving everything away, but it's just another little dangling of the carrot just to get you uh, in the mood for it, so to speak. But they're, they're great quality pictures though. I mean, in terms of, um, you know, the, the, the person who was, who was the woman, is it Annie, Annie Leibovitz? Um, mm-hmm. And apparently she's been a photographer for the Star Wars films for donkey's years. Um, but, and obviously they've gone through quite a bit of post-process and I can tell that, but the quality of the photos is just fantastic. Really, really good. There's no camera phones here. These are all like top end DSLR and, and, and high res and stuff. So they look fantastic. And just the last image I want to uh, just mention which has nothing to do with the uh, locations and characters, but we see a wonderful image of um, John Williams uh, conducting what looks like the London Symphony Orchestra uh, for the for the score. So, uh, yeah, that just looks. And I, I love that because because he's been. Whenever you watch the special features on any of the Blu-rays or DVDs over the years, they always do like a little ten-minute bit on John Williams, and the rest of it is all about visual effects and sets and all that stuff. So it's good to see that he's still getting a little bit of love, even if it's just a single image, but yeah, that looks so good. Love it. Yeah, it does, man. I, I noticed that one as well. It does look really good. She's, you know, John Williams and, and the orchestra of, looks like they're, they're, they're live playing it alongside a showing of some footage as well. There's, there's, there's a general layer in the background as well on the screen there. And the, the last image I'll pick out is the, um, you're right. It is Anna Leibovitz that does the photography, and she's she's always she does amazing stuff, uh, generally. And one of the the finest pictures I think there from a, um, just from a setup perspective is the one of Kylo Ren and Rey in a stormy confrontation. And interestingly, the picture is not only stunning, but also it, it, the the caption from Vanity Fair gives a little bit away around what is maybe going on with those. So it says, to quote, their force connection, what Driver calls their maybe Bond, will turn out to run even deeper than previously revealed. So again, they, you know, they are teasing us a little bit. It's not like they're just releasing the photos to not to not have any reprisal. They are starting to seed some little bits of info out there, just enough to make us think, come on, let's get to <laughs> December already. Exactly. Yeah. I love that photo as well. It's uh, That looks to me like it's, that's not an on-set photo. That looks like it's from a final cut that's had visual effects added and everything. That doesn't look... Mind you, it says photographed by Annie. Yeah. I don't know, man, because they've got their lightsabers out and unless all of that water and smoke and everything is a visual effect, if so, that's 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 a cracking... That's a great timed photo. That's yeah, awesome. either, either way, if it's timed or if it's... Um, if it's CG'd and if it's post-pro, like either way, there's a lot of good work gone into that photo. And yeah, I love how they've brought out the light of the lightsabers. Um, let's just have a look at Ray. Yeah, Ray's still got Anakin's lightsaber, hasn't she? So she's repaired that one. Mm-hmm. She's fired that one up. Um, and also, have a quick look when you see this. So we'll put the link in the show notes. Look at Kylo Ren's hilt. Doesn't look as fiery. It looks a lot more controlled so you know the exhaust outlets on the side of his lightsaber hilt yeah they were always very scatty it's almost like they're now a lot firmer um so i don't know if we're going to see a progression with his character insofar as you know he becomes a little bit more proficient in some of the skills that he 
he didn't acquire because he left Luke's New Jedi Order so early, you know, so things like the lightsaber construction. Um, interesting, all very interesting. Do Good find on that, good find. Yeah, cheers, man. Yeah, it's um, yeah, only dropped today, so uh, it's good timing, really, to get it into, into this week's show. So that's going to do for our uh, discussion segment. All good? Uh, sorry, no, for the news, sorry. Moving on to the discussion segment, I just want to carry on some of the momentum and the... Uh, the vibe that we had around for the Phantom Menace celebrations that we covered last week. So we celebrated 20 years of the of the Phantom Menace, which still sounds crazy to me <laughs> that 20 years have gone by. But uh, so after we covered that, and there was some initial uh, bits and pieces that went out. There's been loads and loads of bloggers and YouTubers that have uh, just put things out since then. They've put their own. Uh, take on it and I've seen loads of cool videos where they've gone back and looked at their own footage really uh, of of an un, people that that took old video cameras to the cinema so we're talking like tapes we're not talking phones or or anything like that people that took a camcorder <laughs> with a with a tape in it and they've played that back and they we saw everybody in the lines and uh, people uh, one thing I forgot to mention last week actually was the amazing um uh, something that they called the 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 midnight madness run where I think it was the day before the Phantom Menace was released, a, a ton of really big toy shops uh, released this midnight uh, launch of toys that were available for the film. But because they were potentially a little bit spoilery, they did it right up until I think it was the day before or two days before, and uh, and they did it every they did everything at midnight. So as well as all these people that were camping out outside the cinemas and you've got these really long lines you had these people that were also camping out outside toys r us ready for them to open the doors at midnight and stuff so uh, i've seen loads of um articles and videos about that stuff so i just wanted to put uh, this really cool article in front of people's um uh, in people's ears from the official star wars site starwars.com where they put out the 20 things that you probably didn't know about the making of the phantom menace and uh, we're not going to go through all 20, obviously, but there's a, f- a few here that I wanted to pick out, which are really interesting. So the the first one, and not many people know this, un- unless you've watched some, any documentaries about it, but George Lucas, uh, Lucas, George Lucas wrote the script uh, with uh, pen and paper, which is which is crazy. And I, I know that he did this with the original trilogy films. But when you fast forward to when they started making or when he started writing for The Phantom Menace, that would have been, what, 1995, 96? Laptops, dude. Laptops were a thing even back in return. You know, they were bulky, but they were still around. But even, you know, in the mid-90s, there was a ton of laptops. And the only other person who I know writes like that with pencil on a notepad is Sylvester Stallone. I know he still writes all of his stuff like that. But that must be, that must cripple I like when I remember being in high school and in English class or whatever, and just having to write for more than five minutes, uh, you know, being a complete wimp, like, oh, my hands hurting, my wrists hurting, I don't want to write anymore. So I, I find that just incredible that even after all those years where he probably thought, yeah, you know, after writing all that stuff, the original trilogy in my arm absolutely killed, I'm just going to do it all again for the new trilogy. So. Uh, where those notebooks are, I, I hope he's got them because they'll be worth a fortune, dude. Could you write a whole script with pen, a uh, pencil on notebook? I couldn't even write my name. 
if I'm honest with you. <laughs> I'm the same as you. I'm like, back in school or any exam, exams, you're like, write 400 words on this. You're like, oh, come on. <laughs> really? Come on. <laughs> and, you know, George Lucas had access to computers at that time. I am pretty damn sure. Maybe it's part of the creative process. Like you said, Sly does it. And, uh, you know, he's not done bad for himself. He's, he's put out a few decent films recently, the Rocky and the... Uh, the two Creed films are, are, are good. And, you know, maybe it's just part of the creative process. You know, you revisit your best work when you create the environments that you produced your previous best work in. I don't know. But uh, imagine getting that, though. All right, uh, right, right, Dave. Um, George is done. The, the script is done. And a uh, little job. little job, actually. You know we got you counting up those switches. Uh, the Millennium <laughs> Fa- Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you enjoyed that. What a... About, you've got a keyboard, you know about typing. What about if you typed all this script up that Georgie boys just dropped off? <laughs> and Dave's just like, really? You said I'd be working on Star Wars. Uh, yeah, you, you are though, Dave, aren't you? You are. <laughs> so just imagine that, you know, he comes in like, like, a, like the builder turning up at the accountants and dropping a bag of receipts on the desk. <laughs> Come on, George. Come on. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, it's interesting, isn't it? Like you said, those notebooks will be worth an absolute fortune. I like, also like to think that uh, George Lucas couldn't afford to buy himself a computer in the 90s because he'd spent all the money on those thousand R2-D2 mugs that we talked about before. He's just got piles of these things and the <laughs> missus is just like, why don't you sell a few of those, George, <laughs> and buy a laptop? I don't, no, I don't think that's wise, actually. We'll just buy some pencils. Just what a crazy process, dude. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and he probably bought like a thousand, a thousand R2-D2 mugs so he can throw them against the wall some more when people piss him off. Yeah, so, and maybe just buy his extra pencils to snap to make himself look good when he's angry. Or, <laughs> or maybe it's like that scene in The Office, you know, when uh, Jennifer Taylor Clark goes in to see Brent about the future of Wernham <laughs> Hogg. And then all, so all the Star Wars crew and they're all like hovering around and he's, George is like, I've got some good news and some bad news and they all, you know, so the bad news, you know, the, the good news is the script's done on slightly, I can just, I can just imagine that like all the, all the producers and stuff are like, oh, great. So we need to, yeah, we need to hire Dave. Where's Dave? And he's to type all this up. Where's Dave from accounts? Yeah, you can imagine that guy. And he's like, well, Kathleen's been in, uh, <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy. If she was the boss, not saying she is, uh, if she's the boss, uh, Kathleen John F. Kennedy. Don't call her that. Not to her face. Uh, not not, not to her face. <laughs> <laughs> then George just goes back into his office and drinks out of his uh, out of a brand new clean R2-D2 bug and bins the old one that he's had one drinking. Oh, God. We'd like to know now, George. We'd love that. And you can imagine him showing it off, can't you? His new notebooks. He's like, yeah, JJ came round. Uh, two notebooks for a tenner. I'll have four. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! And this is this is his final film as well. So you got Gareth like George Lucas is leaving, and then we have that. <laughs> what is he? Uh, That's the old team. Dave's, then. <laughs> Dave's typing it up. Is, is he? Is he a typist? Yeah. What part time? No, full time. Right. Okay. Oh god! Oh, we could go on forever with this man. Mate, this is genius. I love that we've somehow managed to successfully, uh, in our own minds, compare David Brent to George Lucas. Didn't expect that today. Although. <laughs> The beards are pretty much the same. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, swiftly moving on before we fall into a into a vortex of the office. 
Another uh, very uh, quirky little point I want to uh, pull out of this list is Ewan McGregor had to hire a dialogue coach in order to prepare for his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, because he really wanted to make sure that all those little vocal inflections that uh, Alec Guinness used when he was playing Obi-Wan, he really wanted to make sure that he captured a load of that stuff in his mannerisms and his vocal uh, performance and so on. So uh, when I first read that, I thought, why did he do that? Because he's a British guy. You know, well, is it? No. Is he Scottish or British? He's, he's you know, from these shores. So it shouldn't be too difficult for him to to do a... a, a semi-posh sort of British accent. But no, apparently he hired a vocal coach so that he could nail all of that stuff and make sure he was in sync with the old Obi-Wan, I suppose is the best way to look at it, which is really cool. Yeah, I quite like that. I quite like that because Ewan McGregor's a great actor and Obi-Wan's dialogue in most of the prequels, even though Obi-Wan is a badass and we all love him and he's, you know, he's, he's one of the top characters and he's, he's one of the, the, the fan favourites. Some of his dialogue does suck and you you can you can see that uh, at least Ewan McGregor's tried to deliver it with a bit of continuity. So I, I you know I kind of respect that. One of the facts that came out interestingly for me, in fact there was there's a quick throwaway one which is just how badass uh, Samuel L. Jackson is for just appearing on TFI Friday and then getting a role in Star Wars like fair play. <laughs> so he went on a, a TV show with Chris Evans, said he wanted to be in Star Wars, got in Star Wars. Like the, you know I don't think many other people could pull that off, and. Uh, the next one was the the old Yaddle, you know, the old the the Yaddle Jedi on the uh, one of the Grand Masters who was on the Jedi Council throughout a couple of the prequels, I think. Um, Yaddle was actually a young Yoda design, uh, which interests me. You can you can tell it's very it's very very clear that they're from the same species, but you never you just never see anything about Yoda's species, do you at all? So I thought that was an interesting one as well. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I agree. I think Yoda, in terms of and his species as well, is one of the the biggest mysteries from all of Star Wars, really, because we haven't seen any other Yo- we haven't seen any other Yodas legging around, have we? So he's like a unique uh, character. Like all the other characters, there's always multiples of them. They all they all come from somewhere. Um, yeah, so that's really interesting, man. And then finally, another one for me, which was pretty cool, um, was the uh, the the the, the Wookiee characters that appear. So um, there's there are three uh, Wookies that appear in the film. Um, but they're all filmed separately. They're all wearing the same suit from the Lucasfilm archive. So you wouldn't know it. So when they composed the scene together and there's, there's multiple, what is three uh, Wookiees uh, doing their thing, they're all, you know, out of the same suit. So that was one of the, uh, the technical things that George Lucas implemented for this, wasn't he? There was a load of scenes that he, that he, he messed around with where he actually removed actors completely from certain scenes and added them in other ones and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that's 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 amazing. It just goes to show just how much went into the the making and the filming of the Phantom Menace. Because story aside, whether you love it or hate it, it's got some some amazing uh, filmmaking um, sort of breakthroughs that they did with the original trilogy. There was like loads of cool stuff, and um, yeah, again, this is something that we could talk about for hours, like you know all of the production stuff and and story bits, but uh, I just thought it'd be cool just to sort of finish off the, the celebrations. Cause like I said, there's loads of stuff going on around it still. And, uh, and, and the 20 years, um, since the Phantom Menace was, was popped in theaters. So yeah, it's good times. Yeah. Good find as well, dude. That, I, I love little tidbits like that. That's the sort of thing that you, 
you know, get a bit of lunch and start digging into. And I always find them very interesting. So yeah, again, guys, we'll put the uh, the link to that in the show notes. We've we've upgraded our show notes a little bit actually. Uh, we've started putting links into everything that we do. So we. We'll, we'll we'll stick a link in there to that. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I love I love those little behind the scenes facts. So what we have got next? We have got Attack of the Clones, which is what is that? Two thousand and two. So we've got another three years before that comes out. Um, so yeah, that that's going to be an interesting one. I'm curious about that. You know um, how they uh, as the stories progress. You know, Revenge of the Sith becomes much more depth oriented when it comes to the, the mythology and so on. I'm interested to see what facts come out of that, especially like around like the decision making processes and, and, and how to uh, or how they decided to, to to include certain things and where to take the story. I'm really interested in how they constructed this trilogy. So I do think the next five, six years we're gonna start to see a lot of that content, uh, which is exciting. So yeah, good find my man. Always good. Yeah, cheers man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. It's um as we get through these anniversaries, it's uh it's just a really nice excuse, really, to go back and look at all that stuff. So, yeah, it's good. Uh, before we move on to our random spotlight, I just want to let all of our listeners know that you can find us out on the interwebs. Uh, just go over to Twitter, Facebook and uh, Instagram. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion or Spark of Rebellion Show and you'll find us on there. Just pop us a like and a follow and you can uh, get involved. We, uh, we put various things out there and chat Star Wars throughout the week in between episodes. That's really good. And also, if you want to support the show, just head over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash, forward slash spark of rebellion. You can uh, look at the various uh, tiers there and uh, drop some support for the show. Yeah, you get, so you get your hands on some cool swag. Uh, you can get some producer credits and get the shows early and all that stuff. So uh, that's uh, a, re- a really cool community that started to build up around Patreon. So uh, if you want to support us, go ahead and, and do that. We're going to invest it all, all back into the show so we can be as good as it can be and some extra content further down the line. and. And all that stuff. So, uh, random spotlight. Uh, the segment that I've chosen for this one uh, is kind of weird, very popular, but kind of weird. And I don't really know how to explain this better than the blue milk really is just a glass of milk that's blue. Is the best way that I can describe this. And it's this is fascinating to me because it's such an iconic thing. From start, you don't see this kind of thing in any other, not that I'm aware of anyway, in ever, any other mainstream sci-fi franchise. Not that I'm aware of anyway. So the blue milk, which has popped up in uh, various guises uh, over the years and in, in a couple of films and so on. So uh, it's, yeah, it, I don't know. It's just one of those things that whenever I see it, and there are there there are two there are two ends of the spectrum for it for me. The first one is I I see it as just a real, really coolly designed thing that you shouldn't you shouldn't even notice, but you do. So in a New Hope, when Aunt Baru is sorting out lunch for Luke and Uncle Owen, you can see the the blue milk there on the table and they're drinking it and so on. But you're not meant to think, oh, look, they're drinking blue milk. You're just meant to be invested in that world and in that universe. And you, your mind isn't meant to be distracted by it because you're meant to be focusing on the characters and the scene and what's going on. You're not meant to think, oh, my, like, can we pause this a second? They're drinking blue milk. What's going on? So it really works. It just fits into the scene. But then you have other scenes like in The Last Jedi where you see Luke, you know, milking... <laughs> milking a, a, a whatever creature it was 
And that's like a bluey, greeny kind of milky thing. And you just think, no, no, no. You know, what, what was the need for that? You know, there was, that's, that really is a, like the opposite end of the scale. That's like a proper distraction because everyone's thinking that's, that's gross because it's all dripping down his beard and everything. And it just doesn't really add much to the story. So the blue milk for me is a fascinating thing because, uh, yeah. And they do these things every, like the, the, again, the official Star Wars website, they've done these things over the years where they put out these recipes for you to make your own blue milk. They do it around, uh, like, uh, the, the holiday season, like Christmas, I guess, uh, Halloween, that sort of thing. Or if you're going to do like a big Star Wars marathon, they give you these recipes to go and make your own blue milk. So it's definitely a thing. And I think it's definitely worthy of the random uh, spotlight for sure. Because it is, let's be honest, it is a random thing. You don't really see this in many other, they don't focus on food or drink too much in other franchises. So would you, uh, would you knock up your own blue milk, dude, for whatever reason? Uh, no, I don't like milk. Um, <laughs> no, sorry, Matt. <laughs> Not even a bit of protein frosting. powder in there? Nah, no. nah, 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 nah. Just eat, eat. I bloody love food. But... <laughs> This is this was blatantly one of those things where it's like, right, where's where's Dave again? Dave, little job, mate. So we've got this scene, right, with Baru. That's Baru. And we've got Uncle Owen. You remember Uncle Owen from, from, from the droid scene. And uh, Luke, he's the kid. Uh, a little bit going to do a little bit of breakfast, Dave. And what we're thinking is, this is milk, right? But we, st- Dave, what we're doing here is we're starting the film by saying this is a galaxy far, far. Dave, they don't have cows, dude. So, little job for you, Dave. When you finish typing that up, I want you to nip out to Londis and I want you to get me some blue food colouring, right? And then what we're going to do is pop a drop in there. No one's going to notice it. Everyone noticed it. <laughs> Dave gets his 15 minutes of fame and then it becomes a thing. Like it's one of those blatantly obvious... Didn't expect that. You know, one of those, like, uh, it's, it's like the entire John Wick franchise. No one expected John Wick to be that good. No one expected it. And then it became mint, and you were like, oh, John Wick 2. Oh, John Wick 3. Blue Milk is basically the John Wick franchise. Thought it was going to go unnoticed, <laughs> and then, lo and behold, everyone loves it. And then it just obviously gets perpetuated on that basis. So, like, fair play. I think there's... There's loads of little bits like that that happen in sci-fi, but you're right. None of them become like the phenomena that this has has become. Um, I'm trying to think of a few others. I, I, I know there are some, but I just can't blooming think of it at, at, at the moment. Like um, the little bits of kind of recurring themes that pop up, like the little lines in Captain America and the like, the little improvised lines from Arnie in Terminator, like I'll be back was totally improvised and then it becomes a thing. Um or the little scene with Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones where he shoots the swords person because he just had he just had uh, you know a, a bit of a stomach bug and he needed to get to the toilet so he pulled out the gun and 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 acted it and that stayed it like those little things that you don't intend on being a big deal mm-hmm. like this was blatantly one of those and uh, I I do anticipate it coming from the fact that someone said uh, that's definitely milk that George uh, are you sure they would have cows <laughs> on tattoo maybe we should just do something with that milk. And they just popped up something blue in it and made it, you know, made it blue milk. And then it just became a thing. But that's coming. I mean, it's cropped up in Rebels, cropped up in the Clone Wars, cropped up in Rogue One. It's cropped up in the prequel trilogy. It's cropped up in Solo. I think it popped up maybe in Solo. Um, so it's just, it's been everywhere, mate. It's been everywhere. 
Yeah, it's been everywhere. And I wonder if they serve it in the cantina as well, like the cantina scene. Like What are you thinking? Blue milk blue milk and Red Bull? Yeah, like Gareth, Lager, Finchy, <laughs> Blue Milk. What's your tip? Sometimes cider. Sometimes <laughs> Different yeah. drinks. <laughs> Different needs. Are you yeah. uh you going to the going down to the cantina later? Celebrate? <laughs> nah stay away. No, no, no. Come over. Uh, <laughs> Just imagine that. We which someone should do like a Star Wars dress up version of the office, which is basically like Gareth would definitely be C three PO. He'd have oh, yeah, Brent yeah. as some little like He'd want to be Luke Skywalker, but would be terrible at it. And you'd have Tim as like this disgruntled, really annoyed, didn't really want to be there version of Obi-Wan. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. 65 and I'm uh, I'm living on a desert planet, but it's all right. Still live at home with my mum. So, you know, it'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. It, it would be. It, it, I can't, to be honest, I can't think of anything better than that. We should do a uh, so there's a there's a the office podcast in the UK called Wernham Blog. We should do a crossover with those guys. I'll tweet them. We'll do a crossover and we'll just be like, we'll oh, do an episode God. of the Office show. You come and do an episode of the Star Wars show. We'll do a crossover. Uh, here's a little tidbit for you, which will really I know we're we're uh, we'll, we'll probably wrap up in a set, but I want to leave you with this one. This is how much of a loser I am. Back in the day, before crossovers were a thing. I used to wish and dream that Mike Baldwin from Coronation Street would show up in EastEnders before it was even a thing, mate. So I was a pioneer. I told my mum about it once. She was like, don't be so ridiculous. And there ended my screenwriting career. So thanks, mum. Mike Baldwin from Curry. Yeah, in EastEnders. In Imagine East that. So you open the Queen Vic. You've got, uh, you got Phil there. He's like, oh, I grant, yeah, uh, two points of uh, stat. And then in walks Mike Baldwin. Just in totally shaking gear. things up. You know, get Shane Ritchie in a headlock. Anyway, we could go on about this forever. <laughs> Bloody hell. Anyway, oh. we should probably wrap it up there because I've, I've got nothing else to add today, have I? No, that's, I'm happy to leave it at Mike Baldwin, mate. So, yeah, blue milk being served at the cantina, a.k.a. Chasers, that we're going to do there for... The random, the random spotlight. Jesus. So, yeah, I'm with you on that, mate. Let's stick a pin in it there. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for listening to episode seven. It's been awesome to talk through uh, some of the uh, the news and merch that's landed for the rise of Skywalker. Talking through some more Phantom Menace stuff and some blue milk, and clearly, The Office. So that's been all good. Remember to check out all of our other episodes uh, on your podcast app of choice. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion and give a subscribe there so you'd never miss a show when it lands every Saturday. Also, check us out over on the usual usual social stuffs, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just do a search again for Spark of Rebellion, Spark of Rebellion show, and give us a like on there because we chat plenty of stuff during the week. And uh, next week for episode eight, uh, we're going to hit you with some more uh, news, as long as there is some, uh, and some more uh, discussion and random spotlight. It's been great chatting as always, Mr. Mark. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, we've got some nice uh, nice digression in there. Went into, uh, I think we, we crossed over into a few other galaxies there, to be fair. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week and uh, digging in a little bit more. And thank you to, to you for subscribing. If, you, if you're listening to the show, we're looking at the download numbers 
in our podcast host and it's uh, it's good you know we're getting there we've got a few subscribers now coming in very regularly getting some great feedback so it means a lot when you do a hobby podcast that doesn't have any budget that we're, we're doing for the love of it and just because we enjoy chatting about it so thank you so much it does mean a heck of a lot it's awesome yeah and thank you very much to our uh, patrons as well who are supporting the show if you want to get involved head over to patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion it'll be great to have you on board uh, and to uh, join the rebellion uh, indeed so until next week uh, have a good one and may the force be with you always <laughs> <laughs>